when you think of your rate, it's not just, you know, that picture on the feed. It's all the work that goes into getting it there and then all the work that goes into after afterwards. There's a lot of work. When you think of any sort of ad campaign that someone does for a billboard or a magazine or anything, any imaging for a brand, there are thousands of people that they hire to get that one ad campaign up. And as a content creator, concept creator, whatever you want to call it, um, we are all those people. So we need to make sure that we're creating a rate that embodies that because there is a lot of work that goes into that. Hello and welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode 119 and I'm still your host, Rachel Anthony. Thanks for joining me again on another episode to this week because I have Tanisha Cherry back for part two of our interview. If you missed part one, it's all about influencer marketing, how to become an influencer, all of that kind of stuff. Today we get into part of influencer marketing and being an influencer, um, but we talk about pitching. So we talk about why you don't need to do gifted campaigns um, and what they do for the industry and under what circumstances you would actually want to do a gifted campaign. For me, it's always supporting local that I tend to not send over a rate card. Um, But Tanisha has a lot to say about that and also how to pitch brands. Tanisha has a whole podcast about pitching and very specific. So she does get into lots of it, but she also has a podcast herself that gets into more details if you are still interested. She walks us through her Kate Somerville campaign as an example and provides great advice for how to determine your rates and what goes into taking a photo for a campaign and everything you have to consider when you are coming up with your campaigns. It is super informative, um, whether you're an influencer, wanted to be an influencer, or just interested in how influencers make money, this is a great episode. So let's just get into it. Again, the sound quality is a little bit off. I tried to be a sound engineer and fix it, but it's still a little shaky, so I apologize. But great information, worth listening to, so let's get into it. Because I know you've done a podcast er, podcast episode about it, so if people want more in depth, they can go to that. But I really wanted you on here because I've never really had anybody talk about pitching from the influencer side before, and um, I know we had a really great conversation the other day at coffee, and so we wanted to share that. So, out of all your campaigns, how many did you pitch, and how many were from brands reaching out to you? was so funny this was such a hard question to think of because I'm like I don't really know and I really tried to think of this just this year during the pandemic I almost want to say maybe two or three came from brands just reaching out to me but I don't even feel like that's a fair number I feel like almost like zero because to be honest I pitch a lot and I pitch with the mentality of introducing myself to brands to say, like, hey, I'm Tanisha. This is what I do. These are the platforms I use. If you guys have any opportunities coming up, i love to be considered. I do that way of introducing myself to say, like, hey, I'm here. I'm ready to work. This is what I can do, you know, straight to the point. And there's always a partnership that comes out of that. 
And that's what the benefit of pitching is, is that you're, you're putting a spotlight on yourself. You know, do you ever have those instances where you say hello to someone and you meet them and they're like, oh yeah, I saw you at this event, this event, this event, this event. And you feel bad because you're like, I never noticed you. But now because you've, you know, had a like, a one little conversation with them, you introduce yourselves, you know each other's names, and you know what this person looks like, all of a sudden, you start seeing them everywhere you go, and it's not because they weren't there before, it's because you just didn't know who they were, and now you have another person in the room that you know by face and by name, so they start start noticing them a lot more. That's how I feel towards pitching. There is a sea and a pool of Instagram influencers, and I just feel like you cannot look at you. Um, chance if you're you know if you want to get paid campaigns if you want to create more visibility for your you know online community you have to sit there and pitch you're leaving money on the table by not pitching because a lot of these people they just don't know who you are and don't take that personally there's so many of us how are they going to know every single person that decides to become an influencer or who has a large following you know they usually always go to the old fables they go to the people that they see working other campaigns they go to people who are friends with other influencers that I already work with. You know, that's how they're discovering influencers. A lot of them aren't really going hashtag YYC blogger. They are kudo, but I'm sure a lot of them are not doing that. So you really, it's important to reach out to these brands to let them know that you're here, you're ready to work, and you're about your business. Um, and I feel like that's why I've gotten so many um, partnerships, especially during this pandemic, because I use it as an opportunity to say, hey, you guys are looking for me, here I am, you know, here's all the bread, she said you're serious, let's get to work, and a lot of times they won't have anything for you at that time, just based on the timing of your, um, of when you sent them an email, and where they are in their um, season of marketing, that's okay, because pretty much all the campaigns that I have worked on um, this year is people circling back, because I've already introduced myself, and it may not be the person I reach out to initially, sometimes it's somebody else in their, their company, and that, that's what happened. You know, there was a lot of brands that I reached out to in their DMs saying, like, hey, I'd love um, to work with you guys. And here's my email. Da, 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 da. Do you have a contact email? And they did. And then, you know, a few months later, they circled back. Um, that was one of the things that happened with, you know, for example, Kate Somerville. I had been following the PR person, the director of their PR for, you know, at least a year on Facebook. I always had been interacting with content and stuff like that. And it wasn't until um, I think the last time I had interacted, and I guess he went to my page probably for the first time. He's like, "Oh, she's a blogger, amazing!" You know, "Oh, I like her content." And he slid in my DMs, and then he like sees all these responses that I've had over the last year to like his stories and stuff like that, and genuine stuff like he's eating food. I'm like, "Oh my god, that looks so delicious!" Da 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 da. da. You know, as I'd you know, connect with any of my friends on social media, and he's like, oh, okay, amazing, and he's like, hey, babe, I'd love to send you some Kate Somerville stuff, and da 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 da, da. and I'm like, awesome, he sent it to me, I tried it, and I was just like, oh, these are the products I really love, blah, 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 this is amazing, and I really like it, and I was making stories genuinely and authentically, you know, sharing with my community that, hey, I got, I just got these products, and I started using it, this is amazing, blah, 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 people know my skincare journey so when they see me talk about skincare they know I mean business because they have seen the worst and the uglier <laughs> of what my face can do <laughs> and where it is now so they really connect with that and he really liked um he really liked what I was doing and then he followed up with asking if he can feature me as you know one of um 
the um, black content creators that they're sharing on the Kate Somerville page. And I was like, absolutely, I love that. You know, and they did. And a lot of my friends, because we all supported each other, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on the Kate Somerville page. And a bunch of them went into the comments and they like just started blowing it up. Like, oh my God, that's my girl, Tanisha. Go ahead, girl. And I shared it with my followers and same thing. And he came back to me and he's like, oh my gosh, I love how your people are giving it up to you in the comments. I love this. He's like, you know, we have a, a partnership coming up soon. I'll definitely circle back with you when we have everything in order. And he did a couple months later, send me an email. He's like, hey, what's your email? And I sent it to him. And he's like, this is we have going on um we'd love to send you this product da, 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 da. And i'm just like sure i'll try it and if i like it then um i'll let you know if i want to move forward and that's what we did you know i tried it for like the three weeks he came back and he's like what do you think and i was like obsessed and that's how i did my case uh mold quench um sponsored post it's a product that i liked i actually used it on my platform a couple times before even doing the partnership and made a video on it i was telling people about it and then i did the partnership and yeah Kate Somerville's the fam jam now. <laughs> so I feel like for me, yeah, some of the brands are reaching out to me, but it's because I made that first initial introduction. So I almost feel like 90% the partnerships I'm doing right now is based on me making an initial contact and letting them know that I'm here and ready to work. And you know what the biggest thing, um, I was talking to a friend about this the other day, is that people come up with like these elaborate pitches and these stories and these novels of, you know, how long they've been using the brand and how this would mean much this opportunity would mean to them and these PR people don't care. I'll just be very frank. <laughs> they do not care about your long winded story. They are professional people that work in corporate environments as well and they have work to do. They don't have time to be reading five hundred emails that are three paragraphs long telling people's life story. They don't. They really want to know who you are, you know, when it comes to your platform. Two sentences. They want to know what you've been able to produce, who your audience is, what you're talking about on your platform. And the answer to all of those is how to link your name to your Instagram or your most used, um, more active social media platform. So they can click on it. Hi, I'm Tanisha. Click on link. They're not going to read the rest of it until they click on that link. And once they come to your page and they're like, hey, she looks like she means business. Great. I love this. They're going to go back and finish your email. But again, keep it short. Let them know that you want to work with them because these brands already know, especially skincare and makeup companies, their products are already in you know, production a whole year in advance. So they already know this year what products they're coming up with. They don't need you creating these you know, concept boards of how you could work with them and da 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 they already know what products that they're going to push that year. What they want to know is who's aligned with those products and the messaging and whose audience is really going to connect with it to what they're selling. That's what they want to know. So they just want to make sure that you're in line with that. You don't need to write a novel in order to get that point across. Totally. And I think that kind of goes, I know this is more for influencers to brands, but I think that also goes the other way from brands reaching out to influencers as well, just as a side point, that everyone doesn't, no one has time to read emails, just get to the point. Um, but like you said, I think if you're putting in the groundwork that shows that you actually like the brand and you've probably bought the brand before and you've talked about them or reached out to them, then it comes off as a lot more authentic because they get a ton of emails and DMs from people obviously saying they love the product, but whether or not they've actually used it or not is 
because everyone wants free stuff, really. And so they need to know that you're, mm -hmm. like you said, your platform, you're being serious, you do use the products, you've posted about them before, um, and that really takes you one step higher than most of the influencers that are pitching them. Mm -hmm. And even if you haven't used the products, because I've had a lot of skincare companies send me things because they see how much I talk about skincare, or they want me to try it and share a different perspective from a fresh pair of eyes, because there are some people who have never tried these products, and sometimes they want to talk to people who they feel are biased, right? Sometimes there's people that they're already invested in as a content creator, they're already following and they're like, well, I wonder what their opinion is on this brand. So, you know, sometimes with brands, you know, don't lie, tell the truth. If you have never used a product, be like, you know, I've never used your product before, but I've heard amazing reviews and I'd love the opportunity to try. If PR is what you're looking for, you can definitely ask. A lot of the brands that I reached out to in regards to partnerships or whose brands I've already, you know, worked with or not worked with who I've already used their products, some of them were, you know, products I had seen really good reviews about, and it was something that, you know, it was something I'd be able to tell right away if it worked. Like, for example, like a hair care product, like a tool, like a flat iron or a blow dryer, like, those are things off the bat, after first use, I know I'm going to know whether I like it or I don't. So there are instances where you can say, you know, I would love to try this product because I'm a curly hair black girl with coily hair and a lot of brands don't market towards us. So, you know, you're leaving out a demographic of people who want to buy your product, but they don't know if it's going to work for them. So I want to sit here and basically be that person that tests out your product to let them know that, girl, it's safe for us. You're good over here. Right. And I think brands need that too, because they need mm -hmm. to reach new audience and they don't want bad reviews from other people right like they want to know that exactly. this is going to work before they send it out to the rest of the normal market 100 percent. okay and i know you have a lot to say about this next topic so we're going to talk about <laughs> rates and budgets and gifted campaigns and the difference and how you decide what your rates are how you decide to do a gifted campaign um, and just what your thoughts are on all of that, because I know that's a huge topic for influencers for how to charge, how much to charge, if you shouldn't be charging. So give us your, your breakdown for that. <laughs> um, so how do you determine your rates for a campaign? So a starting point that I've been using is, you know, my girl, Shanae, she is an owner of an agency in Toronto. Um, and, you know, she breaks down so eloquently. You know, your starting point is taking 4% of your following as a base. Okay, that's your base amount. That is your minimum. You know, 4% of your following. But then, add in, you know, your skill set for maybe how you edit your photos, um, how long that takes you, um, the time it takes you to create and capture your content, whether you incorporate a lot of additional props into your con content that you you create whether you require assistance so maybe you have a photographer that shoots all your stuff with you um, in order to get your to your aesthetic pleasing you have someone on hand um, put that all in there but start with four percent of your following at your base rate and then increase that amount depending on all the things i just listed you know for me last year i really took the time off my part off partnerships and um, i think i only did probably 
two or three collaborations, which were all written articles. I didn't really do any in-feed um, and story collaborations. I really wanted to take the time to, you know, improve my craft with just taking photos because I do take a lot of my photos myself. I do all my own editing. Um, it's only this year during the pandemic that I've decided to actually bring on a photographer so that I'm able to put out content more quickly and just relieve myself of that stress because taking photos is a lot of work by yourself with tripods and remotes. Some of the stuff I can definitely do, but some stuff I'm like, I just don't feel like it. So take those things into account when you're creating your rate for your in-feed posts. After your um, stories, charge half for your stories. If your stories are your um, your reach and your impressions and your responses are just like astronomically like crazy, maybe crazier than your, your in-feed, increase that amount. But, you know, those numbers, that, those percentages I'm giving you is just the base. You know, you definitely want to add on based on, you know, if your engagement is a lot higher, um, you know, you got a lot of DMs, a lot of shares, a lot of saves, incorporate that, but definitely put in the work that you put into putting, creating that content because a lot of brands don't, um, some of them do, but a lot of them don't understand the work that it takes to publish this one photo on your feed. You know, the other day I was thinking about it, I'm just like, probably takes me a minimum of maybe 12 hours. And that's for one photo. And that's from start to finish of me doing, coming up with, you know, how I want to shoot the content, doing my makeup, doing my hair, you know, prepping for my shoot, you know, ironing and stuff like that, pulling my outfits. And then maybe driving to a location, you know, paying for parking, having to set up. Maybe I have my photographer, which I have to pay myself. You know, we're out there for maybe... 20 minutes to 30 minutes depending on how many looks we're shooting and then I have to come back the job isn't done come back go through all these photos individually pick out the ones that I actually want to look through start editing and really nitpicking and all that stuff and then maybe adding a preset all that jazz and then once the photo is to perfection then it's determining okay what's my really good caption I want to include in this you know putting that caption in there then let's put in another hour of researching hashtags where it's going to bring the visibility that it needs okay and then making sure i'm posting it at a time that is optimal for my um, online community when they engage with my posts the most or you know when they're awake posting it and then and was staying on Instagram for maybe an hour or two after that to really engage with the people and really promote this content. There's so much work that goes into it. And then even after that, saving those analytics, going back to the brand, doing your invoicing. And then also, I didn't even factor in all the communication you have with the brand back and forth with negotiating your rate, um, laying it down, reading your contract, making amendments, having edits done, hopping on Zoom calls, having them review it, maybe making changes, invoicing them. Like you have to tally all that administrative work. When you think of your rate, it's not just, you know, that picture on the feed. It's all the work that goes into getting it there and then all the work that goes into after afterwards. There's a lot of work. When you think of any sort of ad campaign that someone does for a billboard or a magazine or anything, any imaging for a brand. There are thousands of people that they hire to get that one ad campaign up. And as a content creator, concept creator, whatever you want to call it, um, we are all those people. So we need to make sure that we're creating a rate that embodies that because there is a lot of work that goes into that and we should be fairly compensated. And unfortunately, the brands are not going to be looking out for the us. Some of them do. Most of them don't. PR companies probably don't. 
they want the most work for the least amount of um, you know budget that they have to pay out to the influencers. And as influencers, we want sad to say, but <laughs> we want the most budget with the least amount of work. And that's why negotiating is important because we got to uh, meet in the middle that where it's mutually benefiting to both parties that we can agree and that we're happy and satisfied with. So your rates, think long and hard when it comes to it. Think of all those variables that I just mentioned and you know, settle on an amount that you're happy with. Add a little bit more because again, negotiation. <laughs> add a little bit more in your mind you should always have what's your minimum that you want to do for that particular campaign um, or not do what's the minimum that you would be happy to walk away with um, but add a little bit more because if, if you start at that minimum amount they're going to negotiate you down so don't do that um, other things to incorporate when you're charging afterwards because a lot of brands will come to you with the scope of the work but we'll talk about exclusivity and all the additionals so those are things that you want to definitely um, make sure that you have a set amount for that and follow up with them about that so when a brand comes to you and says hey we want to have one feed post one story what is your rate tell them that but also add in a disclaimer that you do charge additional for exclusivity usage um, carousel photos additional photos white listing boosting um, event appearances etc okay let them know that that an additional charge because what always happens is you get your contract and you start reading through it and all of a sudden you find out they want exclusivity for a year they don't want you working with any further um, competitors mind it's one feed post they want exclusivity for a year they want you to be able to run ads on it across other platforms um, they want extra photos not just the ones that you posted maybe you have maybe you shot 300 photos that day maybe it's just one in feed post they want three additional photos to use on their page or to, to run ads on, they want a whitelist, they want a boost, maybe they have an event that's happening that's paired with the partnership that they want you to come to for two or three hours and stuff like that, no. You make sure that you account for all those additional things because those brands are going to be like, okay, she means business, and on top of it, we don't want to pay extra for that, so we're going to bring that exclusivity down to maybe a month instead of a year because we don't have the budget to pay for all of that. So, those are all the things that you definitely want to um, think about when you're determining your rates for a campaign. And let brands know um, that your rates depend on the scope of the campaign, the full scope and what's being requested, not just the deliverables, but those exclusivity and the usage. Um, let them know. And I personally don't really always include the breakdown initially. I start with a number. And when they ask for a breakdown, it's always prepared. This is my breakdown to let you know because this is just what it, this is what it is. I don't need to give you everything up front, but if you're going to ask for the information, here you go. Um, the other thing is take your rates out of your media rates or your media hits. Sorry, take it out. <laughs> take it out. Not include it in there because I've seen this with other influencer friends, dialogues they've had with PR companies that they will hold you to these rates. And they won't account for how much your um, platform has grown, how much your photos have improved, how much, you know, you've stepped it up just creatively. They're not going to account for that. They're going to say that, sweetie, your media kit says that, you know, last year that you gave us, it says $250 for an in-post. That's how much we're going to pay you. Why do you think you need more? Don't sit here and feel like you have to 
explain and prove to these people why you deserve. These are your numbers. This is the negotiation you're going to do, and that's it. You know, if people decide they want to walk away from it, then let them walk. That's not a partnership that you want anyways. Exactly, and I think that goes back to just knowing how much time it takes to do all of this and knowing your worth, and you're better off taking the time to create content that's not sponsored to prove your worth and the time and grow yourself creatively than doing the work for a company that's not really valuing valuing what you're offering. But they want it to work with you, and if they want to work with exactly. you, then they have to pay. And exactly, so, because at the end of the day, they know what they're getting. Exactly. Um, and I think that, like you said, I think nobody, as a PR company, they want to pay less for more, and as an influencer, you want to work less and get paid more. And that's, it's business. And I think that that's really what it comes down to. It is, it is a business. So you shouldn't feel bad or let yourself being taken advantage of because like you like this PR person or it's a small company or whatever it is. Like if you have your rates and you have what you want to work for, then, then that's what you should stick to because it devalues what you're doing. It also devalues the whole industry. I find if people are letting their rates slip, mm -hmm especially if the, you know the brand has the budget. Like, it's one thing if it's a local company or whatever and they don't mm -hmm. have the budget for it, but if you're a huge corporation or whatever and they're just taking advantage of influencers, then you're hurting all the influencers and industry by doing it for cheap. A hundred percent. And brands need to do their due diligence to see, like, what is your objective with the campaign? and do more research into the influencers that they're collaborating with because a lot of them are collaborating with people who don't have share the same demographic that they're trying to share their messaging with a lot of them are not are collaborating with people you know it just doesn't align with their um, community so it doesn't make sense and it ends up being you know they paid all this money and i think that's where it comes from sometimes too is that Brands get upset that they put so much into an influencer and they pay them their budget and they don't get what they wanted out of it. And it's because, one, you didn't have a proper dialogue with them um, initially to educate them on what your objective is with this partnership. And then, two, you didn't do your research prior to even onboarding that influencer. You know, you guys have to do your research and your research isn't asking for just screenshots of your insights and your analytics. It's really diving into their content and seeing how their audience is responding to the stuff that they're posting. You know, you can't get mad that, you know, you brought on this influencer and um, you're talking about health and wellness. You know, you sent them all this exercise stuff or this exercise gear and, you know, nothing happened with it. And it's because this influencer talks about how much they're lucky they are that they're naturally thin and they don't have to worry about working out and they've never had you know any sort of fluctuation with their weight they're happy with their physical appearance they eat really bad like and maybe their audience gravitates for that because there are people like that also whereas if you would have worked with an influencer who maybe physically you don't feel like is the ideal person to market activewear clothing but they have the audience where they work out all the time, they're on this journey, they're sharing with people what they're eating, you know, things that did work for them, things they're insecure about, you know, their growth, the highs and the lows, that would have been an influencer that would have been able to get your messaging across with this activewear versus someone who's literally just wearing it for leisure and 
not the actual messaging that you were trying to get a point, which is to get up and move people. This person's not getting up and moving, they're getting up to do nothing <laughs> in relation to active wear. So, you know, brands have to take more accountability and really do their thorough research on who it is that they're partnering with. And influencers need to do the same as well. They need to do research into the brand that they're um, working with and the PR company that's representing them. And, you know, hopefully it ends up being a good partnership, but you really have to do the work, which is why you need to be charging those elements of administration, administrative work, because that takes time. Okay, We don't just wake up and say, this is a great brand and a great collaboration. There's a lot of work that we need to do behind the scenes to make sure that it makes sense. And making sense isn't always just a dollar amount, everything else too. Exactly. Very well said. And I just wanted to touch upon gifted campaigns because that's obviously oh a hot topic when you talk <laughs> about rates, but it also is hard for influencers that are starting out because either they feel like they can't charge or brands don't want to pay them because they are just starting out. So gifted campaigns are usually what people get started with or feel like they have to get started with. Um, and so tell me how you feel about that. <laughs> and then what are the circumstances that you would do a gifted campaign unless that already answers that question <laughs> i really hate no there are circumstances as much as i hate gifted campaigns there are circumstances um so the thing i left off with the rates is when you charge your rates well i guess to summarize what the rate is you know everyone is different some people charge the rates based on their reach which includes their following their impressions and their demographic you know the people that they're able to connect with and some people um, based their rates based on the quality of their content. You know, the goal is to factor in a combination of both of them. For me, it's really based on the quality of my content. I don't care that you usually only pay 100,000 um, people with 100,000 followers. I don't care if my content is better than theirs, and I stand by that. <laughs> and that's how my rate is going to be determined. Um, so when you think about gifted campaigns and having a small following and just starting out, Base your rates on the quality of your content, and that's why I say it's important to make sure that you develop your skill set when creating content, um, the messaging, and also um, your purpose, because that's how you're basing your rates out initially, is based on the quality of your content. Um, I personally would say, especially starting out, don't do any gifted campaigns. You don't need to. At the end of the day, it's not an opportunity to get to know the brand better or to, you know, make yourself more favorable in their eyes. No. <laughs> Start off professional where you are getting compensated for the time and the work that you're putting into creating this um, quality content. Because, again, these brands could never go to a photographer and say, we need you to shoot this ad campaign for free in exchange for the products that we're advertising. They can never do that. And as influencers, we need to, you know, really have that same stance when it comes to our business and our industry. There is time and work and skill set that is put behind this quality that we're publishing. So that's why I'm really against gifted campaigns because it's not an opportunity to get to know the brand better. You can get to know a brand better by doing your research and trying the products. At the end of the day, content is all around you. You don't need a part of free um, gifted or product in kind partnership in order to create content for your followers. You know, I'm sitting in my bedroom right now on my bed on West Elm sheets that I just bought and a new duvet from Ikea and pillows. If I really want to talk about 
you know, the luxurious sleep that I've been having and why I've been working from my bed for the last week, <laughs> as opposed to my living room, I can talk about it without Ikea or West Elm sponsoring me and sending me this stuff. No, I needed new sheets. It was time to be a big girl and step it up in my bedroom. And I did. And it feels great about it. And I can talk about this in a million different ways across a million different platforms. You don't need a partnership in order to share that messaging with your audience. So no, say no to the gift campaign. And how do you say no? My favorite response, and I urge you guys to grab a pen and a paper. My, my response is always, hi, given the time, expenses, and sometimes assistance required to shoot my partnerships, I'm unable to accept product or services in exchange for post-type partnerships. If it changes, please let me know. And that's it. And that's, that's the end of it. You know, be polite about it. Don't get an attitude. Sometimes maybe they don't have the budget, but let them know. Break it down. I'm a professional over here. Okay. This is mom and pop influencer shop. I'm a professional. <laughs> You're going to pay me as such. And that's just what it is. Now, the exception I would say for me personally is one exception has been for me is um, giveaways. Giveaways have been, and this is terrible. I hope no brand ever listens to this. <laughs> Um, so that they can start offering giveaways. Um, no, I my exception is always because I like to give back to my audience, or I'm sorry, my community. I like to give back to them um, for supporting me, and you know, I think the way is a very good opportunity for me to do that. Now, my boundaries around giveaways is that I personally am only participating in a giveaway that's for my following. So if you have a um, giveaway where it's all across Canada, Canada or Alberta, um, I'm going to charge you for that because that doesn't really, you know, it's a giveaway, but it's not geared toward my audience or my online community. So I just don't feel like it's that worthwhile for them. But if you, for example, I did a giveaway one time with a perfume company. This perfume was about $180 perfume. It was a brand that I love. I love their scents. Um, they sent me a bottle of the perfume, but they also um, were going to in a sense, um, a bottle to, you know, whoever entered that follows me on my page and follows that page and all that jazz. Uh, and also very limited rules, not this whole five, follow 10 people and whatever nonsense and do this all over the place. No, something very simple to the point. And it makes me happy that I can give back an amazing product I like and I know my audience um, and my community is going to like also. And something that's great value, you know, like a mascara for $10. Like, I'm not doing a giveaway for that. That's a waste of my time. I don't have time to be creating content on this $10 mascara. We're not doing that. So giveaways are something that I would do a gift campaign for if it's worthwhile. And if it's, you know, core audience and online community is my community, not, you know, one in a million chances. Um, and then my other one is uh, um, charity type posts. And with these ones, again, you have to do your research um, with it. I've had brands reach out to me to do something saying that, you know, they're going to give back to um, uh, whatever charities that benefit, you know, single moms. I'll get in there and ask them, which ones? Are, are these local ones? Are these Canadian ones? Are these American ones? How do you determine you know, monetarily how much you're going to donate? Like, I need all that information 
donation because for me when I donate to any sort of charities or groups um, I want to make sure that it's really going towards the people that it's supposed to do so I asked brands these questions and this actually happened to me during the pandemic where I had a brand reach out to me and you know they weren't able to actually answer any of those questions and they were very uncomfortable with the questions I was asking them and they're like oh it's okay if you don't want to participate and I'm just like well then dang I thought it was charity oh, okay well I guess to see there. So those are the ones for me. Um, and then also gifted campaigns. I think those are just the two. Anything that's like helping, you know, charity ones and then giveaways are probably my two. And then there's the odd ones where, you know, maybe it's brands or maybe it's someone who is um, someone I know personally who has a business and stuff like that that I really support. Um, you know, where it comes out organically, but I find with those ones, I just do it myself. It's not like an agreement where they reached out to me or something like that, or maybe what they did is they just reached out to me to send me stuff, but with no intention. It's just like, hey, I made these products I'd love for you to try, it. and I end up trying it, and I start doing a post about it. Those are just organic ones, so it's not really a gifted campaign, but yeah, those would be the only situations for me personally. I love it. And I think that, again, goes back to everything that we've been talking about is that you know where your line is and you stick to it. So you know the quality you're creating, you know what the work that goes into it, and you know when it can be gifted or not gifted and what your rates are going to be if it's not. So I think that that um, is a great way to build your brand and your community in a very straightforward way that, with purpose and intention and everything that we've been talking about. Exactly. That's what I'm telling you. When you have that purpose and that foundation, everything else just it makes everything so much easier. You're in clear alignment with what you're doing. It just makes everything easy. And especially, this is my thing with the gifted campaigns too. You know, there's a lot of us, and I'm not there yet. Um, I know, Rachel, you are, where you're a full-time freelancer, you know. And a lot of people who are full-time freelancers, I know people will respond back to me and say, well, you have the luxury not to do um, gifted campaigns and stuff like that because, you know, you have a job to rely on. And I'm just kind of like, that makes no sense because if you're 100% a freelancer, you should definitely not be gift doing gifted campaign because it's taking your time away from making money, okay? We're creating content that people are going to really love that eventually will generate a partnership or a brand deal in the future that's going to make you money. So, yeah, don't do it to yourself, people. And you know what also? I feel like if you put that boundary and that line in the sand now, you'll start attracting paid campaigns. If you're always doing these freebies, you're just going to keep attracting the freebies, okay? So just don't do it to yourself. Exactly. And I think, um, which people don't really know until they're in the community and doing influencer stuff that the the community and industry is very small especially in calgary and people talk and brands talk and pr companies mm -hmm. know each other so if they know that you do stuff for free then they'll tell their pr friends that you do it for free and so then why would they offer you budget when they've heard that you'll just do it anyway and so i think you have to stand up for <laughs> the influencer industry in general but yourself and make sure you're not being taken advantage of 100%. This actually happened to someone that I know where they worked on a brand campaign um, and they lowballed themselves. And I told them, because, you know, people always ask me, and if you're a person who's an influencer, 
and you want to come to me and ask me how much you should ask for a campaign, I will help you. I ain't going to charge you. I will help you because I want you guys to get paid. And I get these questions a lot from other influencers that I'm friends with and I'm acquainted with where they'll ask me how much or, you know, a brand came up, where should they start? And I'll throw them numbers and they'll think I'm crazy. But there is a method to my madness when it comes to this stuff. Um, so I had a person do this where they had a brand reach out to them for, I think, an in-feed post and a story maybe. Um, and I told them how much to charge for the in-feed posts. They went lower than what I said, and they took the campaign. And I was like, okay. The PR company then circled back with a different partnership, more extensive um, partnership. And I told them, again, how much to ask for. The PR person came back, very rude, I might add, and quoted how much they were paid in the last partnership. Mind you, these are different clients that they're Presenting, but it's the same PR company that's running both campaigns. They came back and quoted the rate that that um, influencer had accepted for the other campaign and said, why would we pay you this much over here if you accepted this much on that one? And when they told, the influencer told me this, I was like, I don't want to tell you I told you so, but this is why you don't lowball, your, lowball yourself or take free things because these things can happen behind the scene, and unfortunately, this PR person was reckless enough to even put that in an email that this is something that they did. Mind you, this isn't another um, brand that the influencer took a lower amount for. wasn't their client, but obviously, they work in the same office, same account managers. They have conversations about influencers, and you know that PR person let it spill into the email. We're aware that you accepted this amount on this other campaign. Why are you trying to highball us now? So that's why you ask for what you want up front. You don't let them go below what you're willing to, um, you know, accept. And don't accept too many freebies because, again, as you said, Rach, we talk, they talk, you know, it's one big circle of talking. So, yeah. Exactly. And... I think we could probably talk forever about this stuff. I know we can because we have. However, I do want to mm -hmm. cut it off just because I want to make sure everyone can take in what you've said and we can just have you back on on a different episode. So do you want to share where people can find you, connect with you, your podcast, everything? Definitely. So again, my name is Tanisha Cherry. Thank you guys for tuning in. This was a great episode and conversation. I loved it. I'll be back. Um, you could follow me on Tanisha at Tanisha.Cherry or follow me on Instagram, I mean, sorry, at Tanisha.Cherry. Um, you can also follow me on my podcast, Cherry Lounge Podcast. Um, it's available on all streaming platforms. And you can also um, follow me on um, YouTube at Tanisha Cherry with an extra Y and on my Twitter at Tanisha Cherry. Come talk to you, girl. We're friends. <laughs> I love it thanks so much for coming on that was amazing yay you're welcome girlfriend <laughs>